0: Church, happy Sabbath to you. Amen. It's great to be here. It's my first time out in uh, in Bow Desert. Feels like a desert, doesn't it? Right now, this is a hot desert. Desert, pretty hot. Um, Arnie Desley, one of our church members. She's uh, originally her family come from Bow Desert, so it's good to, to be back on country, Arnie. Born here. That's it. That's it. So it's great to be back on country for Arnie there, and. Um, and thank you for welcoming our Murray One Talk Church, <laughs> our Murray One Talk Church. And so, um, so my position that I hold is the um, South Queensland Conference ATSIM Director. And if you don't know what ATSIM is, it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Ministries. So I hold that portfolio with the conference and um, I get to minister to the entire southeast corner of Queensland and get out to the communities and minister to our First Nations people and, uh, and bring the gospel to a lot of people that are that are in much need of it, we'd all agree. And so, um, I'm Indigenous myself. I'm a Wiradjuri man from um, Kondobalan, which is in New South Wales. On my dad's side, on my mum on my mum's side, I'm a Napui man, which is from New Zealand, um, far north of New Zealand. And so, and in the mixed, I'm a European man. I'm a, everything else that's all mixed up. So, but we thank the Lord that we're all children of God. Amen. Amen. That's so good. And so, yeah, we we have just a portion of our church here with us. We've we've got a good number in our church. We we average around eighty each Sabbath that come together. We've got a group over in Western Australia that are studying at Mum Mumraffa Bible College, and uh, so we want to pray for them. They're graduating this block, and uh, we've got a number of them there. And then we've got those who have just taken a pass to say thanks for the sleep in, Pastor. We're going to enjoy it. And so, uh, but. Yeah, thank you to our church members and we've got a big group in the back of our half of some of our young people that are there as well. So uh so thank you for welcoming us and we look forward to the lunch that you provided as well. Before we get into our presentation this morning, um you don't mind if I we just have another approach to the throne of God. You don't mind? Let's let's pray again. Gracious Father in heaven, we every now and again, Lord, we get this privilege to stand between The gospel and people. And Lord, every now and again, you give us this privilege to share a message from on high. And Father, I'm so privileged that this time, dear Lord, you've you've allowed me to stand before the Bow Desert Church, dear Father. And to deliver a word, dear Lord, that will encourage us, but yet also stretch us. Make us uncomfortable at times, dear Lord, and remind us of the work that you have given us. Father, I pray that you please use me as an instrument in your hands, dear Lord, but don't stop there. Use us all as instruments in your hands. May we take this message, dear Father, and use it, dear Lord, to first of all, bring us closer to you, closer to each other, and Lord, closer to them who know not you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn with me in your in your Bibles to the book of John. John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, we, um, we're going to have a, 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 like a springboard, you know, like a launching pad. And John chapter 9 is going to launch us into this message. You understand? You know when someone's on a diving board and they stand there, and you know, in, in, in their mind, they're going through their routine, right? You, but you can't see that. They're going through their routine. So John chapter 9 is just preparing us to get into the routine, preparing us to get into the message. In John chapter nine, we had this, Jesus has this encounter with a blind man. And um, we want to get down to verse four. So let's start in verse one, and it says, "Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and he said to his disciples, "Sorry." and his disciples asked him, saying, "Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind." And Jesus answered, "Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him." And then Jesus says something which pierces right down through the ages. And he says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. We'll go to verse 5 for the sake of context. And it says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. It's an interesting little part <coughs> excuse me, it's an interesting little part of Scripture. As we can see, we can pivot on any area in Scripture off the commission that God gives, not just the blind man as he goes on and puts the mud on his eyes and, and so forth, but the uh, the commission that he gives his disciples. We can pivot from anywhere in the scriptures and move with this message that we have. So we want to we hone in on verse 4 where it says, I must work the works of him who sent me. You know, this Bible text um, demonstrates to us that God left something for us to do. It kind of suggests to us that there's a work that God wishes that everyone who labels themselves a disciple would take part of doing. Now, let's just test the water here, if you don't mind. And uh, you young ones in the back, you can respond to this as well. Um, How many disciples do we have sitting in the Bow Desert Church today? How many disciples of Jesus do we have sitting in 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 the Bow Desert Church? Because I guess this message is only for those who consider themselves to be disciples of Jesus. It should be everyone. Amen. It should be every single person. Um, It says here, I must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. Jesus demonstrates a work that needs to be done in the world. He's also alluding to us, God has appointed a time for this work to be done. He has set aside a time for this work to be done. And there's another, another fact that we can draw out of this is that There will be a time when no work will be achieved. We will not be able to do this work that he has been given to disciples to do. Only in this appointed time do we have to do this work. Only in this appointed time. Can you imagine if you were there as the the disciples and you see this blind man and, and you draw from your experiences that you get from the Pharisees who sinned completely missing the opportunity that jesus has in front and we're looking at the context of who sinned and jesus is saying it's not about the sin here it's about the work it's not about the sin it's about the work so let's attempt now to get into our routine here let's attempt to identify what is the work that jesus first of all encouraged his disciples to move on into creating the early church And then so on and so forth. Everyone who considers himself to be a disciple must partake of this work. Are we ready? Are we ready? All right. From here on in, it's not what the preacher said. What is it? It's what the preacher read. It's not what the preacher said. It's what the preacher read. From here on in, let's go to the book of, or in John, go to John chapter 17. Now, we want to highlight, you know what? I've got a. uh, set of powerpoints i forgot all about (laughs) how does this is this thing on off here we go all right all right let's play catch up we've read that okay a christian christians at work let's begin to identify what are some of the things that we can unpack that God has given us a work to do. John chapter 17 and verse 3. John chapter 17 and verse 3. Are we all there? John 17 verse 3. The Bible says, and maybe we've never considered this as a workload. However, let's look at it from from different uh, perspectives. John 17 verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What a different type of workload. You see, John is suggesting to us that the workload of the disciples is to go out there and make sure the world knows, first of all, what eternal life is. Now, we started off the tree of life, right? The tree of life, if only we get to that tree of life and we can take that fruit, what's the natural consequence? What's going to happen? We are going to bite that fruit and unlike our first parents who bit the fruit and died, our plan is to bite the fruit and do what? And live forever. But what if we've missed the point of what eternal life is? What if we've missed the point of what the the tree of life is? And I like what John 17 verse 3 says. It says, let's understand what eternal life really is. And it's not the point of living forever. It's not a destination. Once I get to heaven, then I have eternal life. What Jesus says here, this is eternal life. Ready? That they may know you. Amen. Amen. Eternal life is not a point in destination. It's a point of understanding. Eternal life is not standing at the bottom of the tree of life and eating its fruit. It's understanding who the giver of life is. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Friends... The only way for people to understand who God is, is that God has someone to speak. God has an interpreter. God has someone to go to the highways and to the byways and to teach people what everlasting life really is. Once again, we kind of like feel like soldiers who have come out of the battlefield and come back into the, to, to the quarantine here just to get some new training we've got some new instruments here to send us back out into the battlefield i think that's what bow Bo desert church is for isn't it to bring the soldiers back in to reconnect their time with jesus to send them back out into the battlefield and to bring new souls back in you see friends when we go out and talk with people it's about bringing them to an understanding of who jesus is Man, I want to spend some time and just park the boat right here and talk about some of the stupid things I've done in the past about bringing people to Christ. Some of the stupid things. You know, I had a motto, I will bring you to Christ dead or alive. You're coming to Christ. <laughs> Don't care about the person, care about the numbers that I'm bringing. We're all on a journey, but aren't we? Amen. We're all, all on a journey. Let's go to our next verse. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3. Let's go to 1st John chapter 2 and verse 3. 1st <clears throat> John chapter 2 and verse 3. <clears throat> and what, what we will see happening here is is things will build on each other. Is that when we know that we have the right understanding of who God is, we don't have this prerequisite of, um, I know how many scriptures, I know my diet, I know my tithe paying, I know all these things are in counts, therefore I know that I'm going to be called into the gates of glory. Rather, when we know of Him, all these other things will follow suit. When we know of him, we can read this verse in confidence now, where it says, in First uh, in John chapter two, and we're going to go to verse three, it says, "Now by this we know that we what's that? Know him if we keep some of his commandments. <laughs> Amen. Because that's the, that's the theology that's taught out in the world we know him you can choose what commandments you want to keep you can choose it but the bible says thank you brother but the bible says we by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments amen from the mouths of children we have ordained (laughs) praise we if we keep his commandments now friends Once again, I can share with you the stupidity time, the times of stupidity in my life. When I thought that by keeping the commandments, now hear me out, by keeping the commandments was going to grant me a time to walk through the gates of glory. By keeping the commandments, right? Now people are saying, but pastor, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Aren't we supposed to keep the commandments to get to heaven? If we say no, well then what theology are you teaching? We don't need the commandments to get to to heaven or we do need the commandments to get to heaven. I mean, which one is it? But we can't keep them of our own will, power and understanding. You see what happens here? Because we, John 17 verse 3, because we know who he is, we belong to him. And when we belong to him, the commandments are a natural blossom of a relationship. It's a natural. I'll put it simple like this. <clears throat> when, I, when I met my, my Samoan princess, I stole her from Samoa, <laughs> went to the Pacific and stayed there. <laughs> when, I, when I got my wife, um, we came together and we made this a binding agreement where I said to her, I promise to be faithful to you. And she turned to me and said, I promise to be faithful to you. We have this binding agreement, right? My wife never come to me with a checkboard and says, right, now listen here, brother. There will be no going to the clubs. There will be no going out with the boys. She didn't give me 10 precepts or things that I couldn't do. She gave me one precept, be faithful to me. And I didn't come to her and say, you will not take money out of our bank for your nails, your toes, your hair, your whatever else it is. You will not, 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 not. I didn't give her ten precepts of what is required of our relationship. I gave her one. Be faithful to me. And you can see how the faithfulness to each other capsulates all the requirements that we have on each other. We can see here, because we know God and we know Jesus, we know the commandments. It's a natural part of a relationship. Because I took time to understand my wife's likes and dislikes, I am not going to do things that she dislikes. I'm glad she's not here. Because my sermon will be finished then. (laughs) But do you get the point. We don't willingly go and do things that we know is going to dislike because we're in that covenant relationship with each other. I was kneeling down on top of your baptismal font here. Please tell me that's a baptismal font. Thank you. I was kneeling on top of your baptismal font here and looking down. And uh, in Sabbath school, the the idea of the covenant was, was being just loosely thrown around and i just thought lord that's it isn't it that's where the covenant begins that's it when we say to jesus i choose to follow you i choose to be your disciple i choose to understand who you are and then through my relationship i don't have to worry about the commandments because it's in the relationship and then i go out and show other people it all begins in my decision to follow jesus it's like when i began to to leave the uh the field of Singleness, and then be tied down to one relationship; the lifestyle came with it, and soon the kids in the house and everything else comes with it as well. It, it kind of brings itself. Let's continue going. Let's have a look at Revelations chapter twenty-two and verse fourteen, which was our scripture reading. Revelations twenty-two. and verse 14 Revelations 22 and verse 14 and the Bible reads blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city amen thank you brother Amen. There are so many avenues I want to take right now to really present this from, such a, from so many different avenues. But I guess the main point is, when we know who Jesus is, and that only comes through spending quality time with God, right? Come back to the analogy of a marriage. We only know each other when we spend time understanding each other same too with john 17 verse 3 and when we come down to first john chapter 2 verse 3 we know because we know him we know that we are of him because we know him we don't have to try and produce the commandments we don't have to try and produce an attitude a christian lifestyle it naturally is part of a relationship with him And naturally, because we are in a covenant-binding, everlasting relationship with Jesus, Jesus says, well, the fruit of that is, eat of my everlasting fruit. So the point of everlasting is not the tree, it's the relationship. The point of everlasting is getting to know who Jesus is in everything we do, then the natural outcome is Jesus says, well, come into my kingdom now because you are mine. You're already everlasting. Now partake of this fruit. Partake of this fruit. There are so many things the Lord um, can teach us through, through his word in so many different levels and ways. The work that God has appointed a time for is teaching the commandments of God to a people that are still under the curse of deception part of the work that we see is that our privilege is to go out to a world and to teach them what the commandments of God are now how much can you fit into a sermon i mean when you sit down there and preparing your sermon right you got to you cut it back you cut it back you cut it back you, and you think oh, all right well that's all I've got really so you can't fit everything you want to. Because here, I want to detour and go to Revelations 13, Revelations 20, Revelations um, 7. We're going to visit 7. But um, you, know, you want to go to so many places and talk about what does it mean to preach the commandments of God? We know that um, it's part of the sealing process that God has required to, to be identifying but, uh, an identification between His children and the children of deception, right? We know that the commandments are so important that we need to understand these commandments. But sometimes we get on this wagon and think, I've got to start teaching the commandments to people. And what do we do? We start taking the 10 precepts and we start saying, you can't steal. You can't lie. You can't commit adultery. And then we add on to them. You can't smoke. You can't drink. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And we forget about the binding the binding mortar that keeps us to the commandments which is the relationship with Jesus. We have been called a people of the book for many, many years and I just pray that that book brings us into a relationship with people and we don't just keep our heads in the book and forget about the people. Our role here which Jesus highlighted in John chapter 9, verses 1 to 4, is that our role is to do a work while we have this short appointed time. We have this short time to do this work. And as I've, as I've just underlined here, which is um, our job is to go out and present the commandments of God to a people who are still under the curse of deception. Let's have a look at what the, um, what the uh, commandments of God talk about. Let's look at these things. We have God, right? The first fall to God. Do not worship any other gods. Do not make any idols. Do not misuse the name of God. Keep the Sabbath day holy. And then we go to man. I mean, we know this. Honor our father and our mother do not murder, do not not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. We think about these things here and we think, what would be the hardest thing for this church to teach those precepts to a community? this, This is just when you reflect inwards, right? What would be your hardest thing in teaching This to the community of Bow Desert or whatever community you're from. When I um, first came to Jesus, and uh, I mean, I was was raised a seven-day Adventist from as far as I can remember until the age of about 14 where I left the church and just turned my back on God and spent 13 years, just my entire youth, I gave to the world. And I uh, came back in my mid-twenties to God when God called me back. And I never really understood the commandments when I was a young person. Never really understood the relationship. I was trying as a kid not to steal, not to lie. And i tell you what, how hard is it as a kid not to lie? How hard is it? Any honest kids here? <laughs> Any honest people who were kids once? You know, And if you've got siblings, it's even harder not, not to do these things and, and do all this stuff. And we get this, we get this differentiation between am I able to do things on my own or do I need a spiritual aid to help me through these things? You see, what I came to, to realize through the commandments is that these commandments gave me my identity of who i was not who i need to become but who i am in christ these commandments gave me my uh my identity myself myself worth. now you're going to be deaf. Use all manner of influence to win a soul to Christ. We see here a couple of things that uh, we'd like to mention here is that there will come a time that when we go to teach that there will be other teachers that have risen up. There will be those who are teaching fables for righteousness. You want to close that door now because there's a mad echo coming through. There'll be those who will come up and rip down truth, destroy the foundation of truth, and use their time to lead people astray. But yet, church, we have this time before us now. We have this open window before us now (laughs) that we can go out to a world and we can teach this world what a relationship with Christ is really like because when the time comes when no one will listen to what we have to say what are we going to bring to the court of heaven what are we going to say to God Lord I was busy building my house or Lord I was busy raising my kids or I was busy at my work I was busy within my church collecting the offering I was busy doing things. And God said, you've gotten the point of time. For there is a time that's coming when no one can work. In this upon time, we need to be faithful to do the calling that God has given us. To, be, to fulfill the ministry that God has given us to minister. You know, our ministry may not be that which is of public evangelism. Have you noticed public evangelism is kind of going down really fast? You know, when I first came into the church in Western Sydney, man, I was preaching at Mount Druent Station. I don't know if any of you know that. It's a place where gangs and thugs and everyone lives there. And me and my mates on the the corner in full suits and we're preaching. Until I realized that I was being um, compared to those who preach hellfire and all that stuff. And we thought, Lord, we need a better way of doing this. You know, we need a better way. But public evangelism is on the decline. People will begin to have itchy ears. And move on to things that are more comfortable to hear. More pleasing. We don't have to change much in our lifestyle. We can remain who we are and still get to heaven. What a false message. And we don't want this message coming as the Christian gospel. We have to use the time that's before us. Let's begin to bring this plane to a, to a landing. Revelations chapter 7. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 7. Revelations chapter 7. Revelations and the 7th chapter. And let's begin with verse 1. John the Revelator writes, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. ...holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel um, ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead we can see get this picture right get this picture we had the four angels holding the four winds of strife back get this picture around the earth and they are protecting the earth what the what John is is suggesting to us is that they are beginning to let go of their grip They are beginning to let go. And then straight away, what took place? An angel from from heaven darting straight down to them saying, Not yet. Hold on. And in early writings, we get the extension of this where um, Ellen White says to us that God goes to his father and pleads his blood. And he says, Father, my blood, my blood, my blood for these people more. Give them more time. And what happens? The angel is loose with the seal of God and flies down. And the angels grab their grabs again and they hold on. We can see that there's a process, another appointed time. And once that work is finished, within that appointed time, it is over. When that work is finished, let me say this, friends. Angels know how to do their work. Angels know how to do their work sometimes we think lord why did you give it to humans why you know we understand in hindsight we have that beautiful privilege of preaching the gospel but sometimes you know in my life the lord has to undo so much of my work and do it properly and in the in the in the same time the lord says don't stop keep on going i can undo your mistakes keep on going keep on preaching we can see what's happening here is that when this appointed time for adventists to do their work how will we know that this is coming to an end how will we know when our appointed time to work to preach the gospel is coming to an end how will we know friends will we see the signs in front of us Thank you. Read these. 150. I can't see from there. Homes destroyed. This is this fire, friends. This is two days old. How scary would that be in your back door? You know where this is? Where... where Jason and uh, and his family's from down Kempsey Armadale way. It's terrible. You tell me that these flames don't look like they're being fueled by demonic force. Like the angels are beginning to let go of their hands and allow suffering, allow cli- um, climax, allow things to climax. Sorry, allow things to happen which is outside of normal. When you hear the reports of these. Of these um, stories. What are they saying? Unprecedented fires. Fires like we've never seen in a millennia. We've never seen fires like this. And they're blaming the drought, right? They're blaming the drought. And the drought's because of what? Climate change, right? And climate change is because of you and me. Oh, sorry. It's because of, it's because of um, cows farting in the, um, in the, uh, eating the grass. That's what climate change is. Cows stop farting and then we won't have all this problem. The rain will come back. I mean, come on. Got to, they think we're stupid. They think we're not people of the book. We know the drought is because God says in Matthew 24, what will, what will, what will there be? Famines, pestilence. pestilence, disease. We can put drought there. We can put fire. We can put earthquake. We can put all that there because we know that God is soon to finish his cleansing process, his sealing process. <coughs> that's a picture from space taken three days ago the enti- oh, it looks like the entire east coast is on fire now that's from space right when you come closer you know how a magnitude is and it gets further Mate, that's pretty that's all the east coast is on fire we see things here happening and what should these things do for us What should these things do to us? Well, we need to understand that there is a work that only you can do. And here's the classic thing, right? Adventists are perfect at this. We are really good at this. If I think someone else is doing it, I don't have to do it. And what happens when that person thinks someone else is doing it? And then that person thinks someone else is doing it. And that person thinks someone else is doing it. All of a sudden the whole church is thinking someone else is doing it and not one soul is doing it. It's a classic um, snare that we get stuck in. But if we say, well, Lord, I'll just build the wall that's in front of me and that's in front of my house. I'll just build the wall that's in front of me. Someone else can look after the wall that's in front of them, but I will be faithful to the calling that I have to do in front of me. That's what I'll do. So, Lord, I'm not called to Papua New Guinea. I'm not called to go to um, the Solomons or to Africa or to Asia. I'm called to my family. I'm called to my street. I'm called to my workplace. I'm called to my spouse let me do faithful work in the time span that i have there and lord let me leave all those other places to the ones you have there and that way you, can you imagine if every single and i'm being biased here right if every single adventist would have a thought like this that i will do what i can do in my power and leave the rest up to god how would our church look in southeast queensland let me go back It'd be a different fire, but wouldn't it? It'd be a Holy Spirit fire. Imagine if every Adventist said, you know what, I'm just going to reach one soul in 2020. In 2020. I'm going to bring one soul. you got to close this church down. Or build a bigger one. Imagine if we'd done that. If we were true to our calling. Because friends, we only have an appointed time to work before God says, it's finished now. What you could have done, you didn't do. And God did allow a little bit of grace period when He says to us in early writings, He says, what you could have done in peace and safety, you will now be required to do under hard times. Because we, we, we neglect to do it in peace and safety. So what's hard times, friends? You know when you can't buy and sell? You know when you go out and, uh, and this church will have doors, on a big chain on the front and said, um, Sabbath worship prohibited, For seventh day worship prohibited, first day worship is the only time this will be open. We have to still work under hard times. But the work still must be done. For the church of God, time is running out to preach. Time is running out for public evangelism. Time is running out for door-to-door literature evangelism. Time is running out for one-on-one Bible studies. Time is running out to bring a soul to Jesus. Because we can see what's happening before us. When the four angels let go and allow Satan and his angels to hurt the earth, the sealing process of God would have been complete. We have another verse in Revelation 22. Those who are righteous will remain righteous. Those who are filthy will remain filthy. And we just rattled that off quite, kind of easy, you know, because for the sake of what we're doing. But when you read that verse, man, that's it. There is no coming back from that verse. There is no time to plead a little more. There is no time to confess a darling sin, a hidden secret. There is no time. It's finished. It's time for us now to adjust our Christian compass. Why has God called us into Christianity and even into the last day remnant church? Friends, I believe because of this verse revelations 22 revelations 22 verse 14 this is why God has called you in to adventism in these last hours of earth's history it's because of this blessed are those who do his commandments God has called you because he can trust you to preach the commandments through a relationship He's called you because you're not going to present something which is dictational, a doctrine type of effort to say "You can't you can't, you can't." Oh, welcome to church." How many times have you been welcome to that? I'm a, I, I passed a church right, and I'm, I'll keep the name out of it. I passed at a church where I walked in with my family, and they were disgusted that I brought my kids in. They were disgusted. And they chased my wife and my kids out, made them feel so uncomfortable and said, we don't like noise here. They had a big plaque on top of the rostrum that said, reverence before the Lord. Keep silent. That's what I said, right? Want to know how many people worshipped in that church? Twelve. That's a remnant church of the Almighty God. Only twelve people worshipped in there. I put... I contacted the conference and I said, you need to move me or I'm going to burn this church down. You need to move me. I tell you what, I said to my wife, my kids, I don't ever want to see you walk through those doors again. If they can't accept you, I said, no. have nothing to do with that church. I tell you what, missing the point of blessed are those who do His commandments. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life. You know, it's like that thing where you say, I don't keep the commandments to follow Jesus. I keep the commandments because I am a follower of Jesus. I don't eat the tree of life to get eternal life. I eat the tree of life because I'm in eternal life. I don't come to church to be a Christian. I come to church because I am a Christian. And friends, may this be a sermon that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable as to say, well, when was the last Bible study I actually sat down and put my feet underneath the table of someone that doesn't know who Jesus is? Now, obviously, I'm blanketing this. Forgive my ignorance. First time in your church. But when was the last time... We put our feet under the tables of someone who doesn't know who Jesus is. And I learned the lesson, friends, that you don't need to know everything to give a Bible study. In fact, the less you know, the better you'll be received. Thank you, brother. Because you look like an old or you look like an old or when you come out there. Do you have a question for that? Oh, of course I've got a question for that. The question is this. And there's no soul searching in it. When you when someone comes to you, do you know the question? You say, Look, I don't, but I'm prepared to study for that come back next week let's talk about it you look more genuine so don't wait to have the 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 theology just go so let me challenge you with this when was the last time that you sat with god and said lord whether i'm in my age of my senior age my middle age or my young age wherever i am lord cross my path with someone i can bring to jesus because Jesus will always answer every prayer. But once again, it's the sincerity that we need to bring. Friends, when we read this verse, "Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life." This should be enough to encourage us to push through all of our hardships. To know that when we get to heaven, I mean the tree of life is just one of the splendors we're going to get to see. Can you imagine seeing the river of life and you've got a trunk on this side of the river of life and a trunk on this side of the river of life and it looks like two separate trees, but it's actually one tree. That's unreal, isn't it? I'm like, that's, that's, that's not normal. Well, is heaven normal? <laughs> so we, that's one of the... Oh, sorry, I'm getting too, too, too excited. And then we see um, the 12 different manner of fruit. How does an orange, there's a song uh, my, my son plays, um, can an orange go on a pear tree, can a pear tree go on a... Well, yes, it can. In heaven, you've got 12 different kinds of fruit on one tree. And then the river of life, which is like silvery gold water that's flowing down and the sweetness of that, mm, amen. The grass has a gold and silver sh- um, shining when the wind blows through the grass. The wilderness, Elamire says, we won't be scared to sleep in this wilderness at night. We won't be scared of the wild beasts in this wilderness at night. They come and sit amongst us. Friends, heaven should be something that encourages us to push through. Heaven should be something that encourages us to say, Lord, one more, one more. You remember Desmond Doss? Remember Desmond Doss? What was his encouragement? One more, one more. God's not asking us to go into fire. Into bullets going everywhere. He's just asking us to go into Bow Desert. One more. One more this year, Lord. One more. Heaven should give us the willingness to fight temptation, not give in to it. Heaven should give us the willingness to be faithful to our calling and be faithful to our ministry. Friends, there are so many more things that I'd like to include in this sermon. But for the sake of our bellies, And uh, we've got to go to the nursing home after this and sing there as well. And then we've got Soup Kitchen on later on this evening in in Woodridge. We want to just leave this message with you. We don't partake of the tree of life to get eternal life. We partake of the tree of life because we already have eternal life. May God add his blessing to this word.